The NJ Makers podcast is independently produced and artist-made. The views expressed within may or may not even be my own. I, I can't even tell anymore. Welcome to the NJ Makers podcast, a show made in NJ about the stuff that's made in NJ. And in particular, it's more about the makers actually making that stuff we're so interested in and the, uh, the process behind that. Right up front, I just want to thank the Gloucester County Library System for letting us use the Maker Studio at GCLS today to record. This is actually where I met our guest and when he came in to uh, check out the 3D printers in the space. So that guest today is Evan Liss, writer at Indie Comic Blog. Evan combines his passion for political science with the world of comics and just an inherent good nature. And the result is his own brand of social engagement. Even the, the most passive reader of comics knows that they can handle some pretty uncomfortable and thought-provoking themes that really serve as a catalyst for a debate that unfortunately all too often stays locked in the reader's own mind. And to me, what I like about Evan's work is that he takes that internal debate and brings it to his blog, which is what we're going to talk to you about today. So Evan takes this conversation online, and he writes at IndieComicBlog.WordPress.com, and though his site is about much more than independent comics, Evan is the type of person that puts out what he wants to see in the world. And I hope I'm, I, I'm not embarrassing you, but that was just like apparent right from the start. No, this is all very nice. Cool, cool. Uh, your, your cheeks aren't too red. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you just, you you put out those type of good vibes that you want to see back. And and that, as you say, is really the point of your blog. It's, you know, your passion for those comics, but also about a, a certain degree of social change and using the, the journalism degree that you're going for in, in relation to that. So his work covers topics ranging from independent comics, obviously, uh, local art events, to a group of super entertaining D&D players. And full disclosure, uh, two of my personal favorite episodes were the ones on the Garden at GCLS and the Maker Studio at GCLS. I wonder why. <laughs> where Evan came and talked with myself the one time, and then the for the Garden, a group of volunteers from the Gloucester County Certified Gardeners about a project that we're doing here. And I actually found out that this was your childhood library, right? Yeah, I grew up, I grew up here in Mock Hill. Cool. So. And, and you're still nearby. Uh, mm-hmm. And you work for a, a local South Jersey videography company. Yep. You're, uh, you're an editor and also a videographer. Yeah, I do okay. both. And you're in school currently, right? Yes, I'm almost on a master's degree. Almost. And, yeah. and where, where are you going? Um, I have, I'm in a master's program at Full Sail University online for uh, new media journalism. That's why the blog got started, because I, I started it for the, uh, for the program. And what, what year did you start the blog? Um, I started it early, like late last year, like November of 2016. Okay. Because it, it's a 12-month program, so I'm... Nearly there. Okay. That's and why. That's why I actually we were supposed to record last last Monday, mm-hmm. but then a big story like the big like culmination of everything we were supposed to be learning was due yesterday. <laughs> no worries on that. Yeah. Uh, I ended up basically losing my voice last week. Yeah, works out. I'm glad for your sake that you didn't come in and yeah. sit shoulder to shoulder with me and, mm-hmm. uh, and and catch whatever that was. So uh, <laughs> so thank you and, and yeah again casual conversation so yeah. that's fine. Um, so, holy blog, Batman! You have written a lot in that short period of time. You have yeah. you have over twenty really in depth, very cited articles, and 
Uh, I wanted to talk about one in particular, but I also just wanted to talk about your your process behind that. Mm -hmm. But but first, what drew you to comics, pun fully intended, in the, in the first place? Like, what was you know um, your earliest comic? What what solidified I, that for you? So I got into comics in a really really roundabout way. So I started with um, there's a video game series, The Telltale's The Walking Dead, and so. I started playing the game, and I got so into that game, I was like, well, now I have to read the comic. Before I started watching the show, so I started reading that comic book, and I, I thought the the way that Robert Kirkman writes in that comic book is that nothing is sacred, and everything can just be taken out in an instant. And it comes from one panel where, uh, where Lori dies, and there's one panel of her just looking up at Rick after she's been shot, and then there's nothing else of her. He doesn't look back again. I think he goes crazy for a little bit and hears her on a telephone. But, like, I started with The Walking Dead and then sort of found my way into different superhero comics that I liked. I liked The, the Flash a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, Green Lantern's uh, The Blackest Night is a lot of fun. Um, more recently, with your shirt, actually, today, uh, Captain America, uh, Sam Wilson, has been one of my favorites yeah. that I've been reading a lot. And uh, so, so that and, and, and The Walking Dead are pieces that really deal with some of those uncomfortable yeah. uh, topics uh, a little more than, like, yeah. the average, you know, superhero comic, um, especially Sam Wilson. And I, I really enjoy that you don't necessarily shy away from letting your opinion be known, mm -hmm. but also presenting a very factual-based article on, on the story. Mm -hmm. And it, at the same time, you leave almost every one of your more, like, I would say, like, opinion-based sort of art, rather than, like, a, covering, like, a, a, an event from a factual yeah. standpoint, leaves a person with, like, a bit of philosophical doubt about, like, I don't know how I feel about this subject, yeah. and, I, and I feel like I did going in, but mm -hmm. when you leave that and the, the Sokovia Accords was mm -hmm. the one, really one, the one that I was most interested in kind of digging in deep yeah. for that. So, so what was your... So, one, like, how do you choose a topic like that, and what's sort of your process about starting to follow through on that? So, for the Sokovia Accords, it was... I had interviewed um, with the Sokovia Accords. I, I have an interview with uh, an old professor of mine, Katrinka Somdahl-Sands. She teaches at Rowan University still. Um, I had a class with her called uh, Politics on Film. We talked, to, we talked a lot about comic books because there's a lot of political theory that you can... You can use comic books to explain. And so I was trying to draw a correlation between that sort of UN, um, that UN politics in the movie. I was trying to draw a correlation between that and something in the real world. And when I had asked, uh, I had asked Katrinka, like, what, what was the real world, like, equivalent of it? She said the first thing that came to her mind was the non-proliferation treaty. And I thought that was a it was a very interesting point because it it changes the way that you view both Captain America and Iron Man. Yes. Because of the way that their ideas are flipped in the nonproliferation treaty. Because in the Sokovia Accords it makes sense to keep it makes sense to be on Captain America's side in that one because you don't want governments to be in there telling them what to do because it's more or less like um, Captain America's point of view is like, if I'm not doing anything wrong, why should I submit to you? Yeah, right? going in, hashtag Team Cap all the way. Yeah. After reading your article, I was like, mm, Tony had a point. Mm -hmm. <sighs> exactly. That's that's the thing that like I was writing it, and I was like, I don't know how I feel about it anymore because 
Because in, in, from the perspective of the movie, absolutely Team Cap. But from the perspective of the non-proliferation treaty and the fact that, like, willingly limiting yourself with something that is incredibly dangerous, Iron Man has a really good point. But it's, I think it's, I think the movie plays on our, like, our inherent distrust of the government post uh, Watergate and post Vietnam War. So we all tend to side with Cap because we're like, no, I don't want the government telling anybody what to do here because they're inherently, uh, they want to use it to their own agenda. Mm-hmm. But if you, if you take a more, you know, hopeful <laughs> look at what the governments could be doing, it makes, it makes a little bit of sense what Iron Man's doing. Mm-hmm. The, the thing I like about your argument, just go back and just to say, is, is that little bit of doubt that it leaves you with. It's because mm-hmm. so many people, particularly in the media and just on their Facebook feeds right now, are just so sure of how they feel about certain things. And under, under new information, we have to be willing to change those opinions. And I like that you... You do go out, you find your facts, and but you still leave a bit to be interpreted there. And that's something that, from a lot of your more political-esque uh, writings, I, I really enjoy. Well, it's not really, my, it's not really my place to tell you what to think. It's, my, it's really me telling, saying, this is what I found, and this is, this is what I sort of think about it in a way. This is the way that I went about logically going through this process of finding the facts and seeing what actually matches up with what and if that changes your mind that's that's fine but if you keep what if you keep what you think that's still fine like it's not it's not my place to tell you what to think but if if like with that story that one particularly i i enjoyed because i got to the point where i wasn't sure how i felt about it anymore and so it changing my own mind when i got when i'm going through it and then that's that's something that i like about that's what I like about journalism in general is because I'm, I'm learning a lot more. Because uh, the, the big story that I was working on last week, um, I watched a, uh, a four-hour documentary by uh, Frontline on PBS. It's uh, The Divided States of America, and it goes through the eight years of uh, President Obama and how, over time, the anger grew from the grassroots movement and the Tea Party and then eventually snowballed into Donald Trump using that to get elected. Later on, it's actually, I encourage anybody, anybody that cares about uh, politics at all. the Divided States? The Divided States of America. Yeah. Is that on demand or anything? No, it's free. It's just go on the website. Literally just Google that. Okay, great. Yeah, it's... it's, I'll try to include the the link to that in show notes. It's long, but it's, but if if you're like me and, because I'm, how old am I? I'm about to turn 24. So when I was... um, I was just going into high school when Barack Obama was elected the first time. Um, so for somebody who wasn't entirely politically conscious until I got into college, um, it's something that it gives you a very, very detailed history on what happened during that time and the reasons why these things happened. And it's, it's very interesting for the people who, don't, who didn't really get to see it and experience it firsthand. It's yeah. good, probably a good, a good catch-up in context yeah that's what really any bit of learning that i get into i just sort of look at as extra context for Mm -hmm. me to navigate the world i won't necessarily accept something as like hey this is fact i saw it it's it was on a documentary but i'll just Mm -hmm. take that under consideration and kind of all right how do i feel about that 
Mm-hmm. So, so how did you get into doing it? Like, what about sharing that information and sharing stories? Yeah, was in you that led you want to go down this path. So I've been told many times that I that I care more about fake worlds than I do about real ones. Um, I've been trying to pull myself more into the real world and care about the politics that are happening now because it is important and I know that it is. It's just sometimes Game of Thrones is cooler than what's happening now. But um, so I care a lot about stories and if you look at my apartment, it is covered in books. Mostly books I haven't read because I hoard them, but it's because, and the reason why I like being in libraries so much is because there's so much here. But um, I like telling stories and I, I started... The first story I ever wrote for Indie Comic Blog was about a, a comic book called uh, Suinda, and I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly, because it's an Argentinian word. Um, so the, the first article was uh, something I never would have found on my own if I hadn't looked very hard to find it. So it was, it's a, it was a comic team of a guy, from, a guy from Virginia and then a guy from Argentina. And immediately I was like, that's cool. And the writer's from Virginia, right? Yeah, and the, and the artist, artist is... is... It's really awesome, distinctive yeah. art with a lot of, like, cool folk. I read um, the sample that they had. Mm-hmm. Of, of really cool. Yeah. And so where where can we find out more about that in particular? If you want um, to give them a, a shout-out. Um, they're both on uh, Twitter, but I, I don't... I don't want to mispronounce uh, Emiliano's name. Okay. Cool. <laughs> because they're they're really they they were really cool people and they're really helpful cuz like when I first started it was like how am I going to get anybody to care enough to talk to me when I have literally nothing to show them. And so these were the first Ooh, people Please tell me that secret. <laughs> <laughs> it it's it's about it's about finding people that one or need the help just as much as you do. But also that people that are caring enough to be like, I will give you this first shot. And so they were like, we were, they were grateful for me even talking to them in the first place. And so I didn't get a whole lot of traction with that story. Like it didn't go a whole lot of places, but they were happy with it. And that's when I first hit that point, when I first realized that I want the, the people that I'm writing about to be happy about it. That's what mattered to me. And then so I, I hit a few more... Uh, stories with uh independent comic creators and um like the thing about twitter is that the more people you follow the more follow you back and the farther that web goes out and reaches more people and so i wrote a story about this comic called trespasser which for anybody listening that likes uh likes the walking dead or likes apocalyptic stories trespasser is is really really interesting like human story in an alien apocalypse it was it was actually a lot of fun to read. That's that's one of the one of the best things about writing about comics is that I get to read a lot of really cool stuff. But back on track. Um, so I wrote I wrote a story about Trespasser, and this guy had a lot of connections, and he was he was being published by Alterna Comics, and so they retweeted it, and it, they got a huge amount of impressions. A lot of people saw it. It didn't really translate so much into page views, but um, a lot of people saw it, and it got around to a lot of people. It's about finding the people that have their own community and sort of inserting yourself into that community. The biggest, the one outlier that I had was uh, this, the story that I wrote about um, the Pittman Art Center. Um, that blew up on Facebook. Like, I, I shared it with the one person who initially let me, 
let me talk to them. Mm-hmm. I, I <laughs> the person that was nice enough to yeah. let me in the door. Yeah, no, like legitimately, I I walked in the I walked in the but door. You're doing them a favor too. Like yeah, you, you have to like, and that's part of where we're coming from with the show. And I use the royal we and that, but it's just being a conduit for you know makers and creative individuals like yourself. And we yeah. talked about the overlap there, so that's something I definitely appreciate yeah. and wanted to return the favor that you've yeah. done for us as well. That's that's the thing. It, it is. I am helping them in a sense, but it's it's hard to see it from that perspective because it's me going, please talk to me. I need you to talk to me now. And so um, uh, the thing with the, the Pitman Art Center, that was really funny because I, I had showed up there for a completely different reason. I was going to a completely different event going to film it. And so I walked in the door. What were you going to? I, I thought there was, a, there was a free art Friday in Pittman or something. And it was supposed to be, I thought it was supposed to be like, there was going to be people lined up across the street and there was going to be people showing off their artwork. And then I saw on the thing that it had a location. So I went to the location and I saw the Pittman art, Pittman art gallery center, Pittman gallery and art center. And I walked in the door and there was just people setting up for the eventual art, art gallery opening that was supposed to happen that night. And I was like, hello. <laughs> and they all just sort of looked at me and I was like, am I in the wrong place? <laughs> and so uh, I eventually, I just walked up and I explained who I was and what I was looking for. And they were like, oh no, that's not this. That's not what this is, but this is something else. And so I just started talking to them and I was like, well, actually I'm, I'm looking for a story to write and um, I could come back. I could, if, if you wouldn't mind letting me film you guys getting set up and I can come back and film a little bit later and talk to some of the artists and stuff. And so I completely 100% walked into a, a stumbled upon <laughs> A story that I had no intention of being a part of, and that that was the most amount of views I had ever had. Three days later, after the event, I had shared it with the first person that I had first talked to. Um, I shared it with her over Facebook Messenger, and then she shared it on their page and shared it on her own, and it got shared by at least ten other people on Facebook. And there was fifty comments or so, and like in one day, three days later, I had like three hundred views on that that piece. And I was literally just watching it with my mouth agape. Reload. Yeah, just reload. constant reload, just going, what is happening? And I went out and I bought myself dinner because <laughs> I was so happy. What did you have for dinner? I think I went to Peking, the Peking oh, um, very nice. uh, Chinese buffet because I like to eat. <laughs> um, I, was, I was dumbfounded at that moment. And what so, did that feel? What did that feel like? For you, like to have you know a hit, like a success like that? I don't. It was just, I was so giddy. Like it, I haven't really had anything that hit that hard in a while yet. In a while, but I was just like I was. I remember just jumping up and down, going, just saying to my friend Max, Max, look, look at it, like the number, look at the number. This uh, just, it feels good to make something and just have it be viewed outside yeah. like as as an artist like i just i'd love that was a very powerful thing like first getting on social media and going like hey i i have an art opening and maybe like 50 so people come by and and get the food and free wine and and then you go online and it's like hey this you know this is sweet, seen by 500 people today like that's amazing yeah. like wow like that's incredible it feels good just to create something and have it appreciated like that yeah that's what it was it was just the first time it, it, anything had really done anything like that. Anything that had really exploded. 
So what, um, like, some nuts and bolts, like, what kind of equipment do you have when you go out and do something like that? What sort of, like, technique? I know that one you sort of, like, walked in, but, like, do you normally just try to go in extemporaneously and talk with somebody like that? Or, like, how organized do you get before you go and start something? So for, if I'm just doing some sort of audio-type interview, I usually just use my phone. But if the, the voice memos on your phone is actually really good if you know how to point it at someone. But um, I also have a little plug-in lovelier mic for my for my phone, so I can have a more directional kind of interview if I wanted to. Full Sail actually provided a uh, a little handy cam and a tripod, so I use that for most of the video stuff. I do have a DSLR that I could use to record like that, but the autofocus is much better on the handy cam, so it makes it a lot easier to just walk into any sort of situation. In terms of uh, finding a story and uh, going about that, uh, it's more or less. I use a lot of social media to contact a lot of people. So like the first, the first story on Twitter, I I, inter- I sent them a message on Twitter, just a long shot, just, hey, do you want to talk? Uh, that was a uh, that was Emiliano, okay. yeah. Uh, su- suinda. 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 I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I'm just glad I had to write it down instead of actually having to say it at any point. Um, I never actually, I never spoke to them in person or never spoke to them on the phone. I was just all through email and I got all the answers that I needed. And I, and I believe, uh, when I first, when I first talked to you, Jim, I, I pretty sure I sent you a message. Did I send you an email or did I come in first? I think you came, well, you came in, we met a couple times. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then you, and then you send an email to sort of ask if we would be interested. In- yeah. So it's. So this is another one. When I came in, when I came into the Maker Studio, this was something that I thought was so incredibly cool that I that it needed to be shared, because it's something that like that you guys work really hard on. and You guys make very interesting. Like, the, can you quickly describe <laughs> what a, a Maker Studio is? Yeah, in, in um, words? yeah. Like the the room that we're sitting in right now is set up for not only the HTC Vive VR section, but also for a podcasting area. A sound producing section, which I'm going to come in and use this whole uh, media transfer the section. station? Yeah, okay. because I have, my dad, uh, actually, I got a cassette player. My dad gave me, well, I guess lent me, I don't know. <laughs> um, he has taped, he has cassette tapes from Live Aid in 1985 that he lent me, and I was listening to uh, the Queen play through my old, this, this old cassette player I found at Goodwill. So you use the cassette to MP3 recorder? Yeah, probably. Cause that would that would be so cool. Actually, yeah, I think I might do that for my for my dad for his birthday or something. I love like being able to see the gears turning in mm-hmm. a maker's head. This is just the, like, hey, I'm gonna like do this thing for a second. Yeah, because as, as soon as you you mentioned that, I was like, I can do a lot with that. But um, just in the 3D printing, 3D printing is what I originally came in for because I play uh, I play a game called Pathfinder, which is like D and D, which is sort of why I talked to the. The D and D group, uh, a quest for magic and steel. Though I do, I did know a couple of them from high school, as well. So the three D printing, I came in for that because I wanted to make my own little models. I wanted to sort of either try and find something that looked the way I wanted it to, or eventually I did dabble a little bit in uh, sculptress after cool. you showed it to me that one time, and I did make it like a. I tried to make one of my friends' characters first, and it actually it came out okay, but then. Printing it was the problem. <laughs> Printing it and making it stand up straight was the problem. What do you play in Pathfinder? Um, I am a uh, tiefling brawler. I am a uh, it, a tiefling is a half fiend, half human, and I am a brawler. <laughs> so one of the best things about being a brawler 
outside of uh, getting in literal brawls in taverns, which is I make I make the party money by by being pushed forward and say who wants to fight this guy, <laughs> and I I yeah I've made actually the because they gamble on me when I go into fights. But uh, one of the best things about being a brawler is they have in Pathfinder they have an ability called knockout punch, and so if um, if you hit if you hit your opponent, they have to roll a uh, fortitude save. So they have a base save and they roll the dice. This is all D and D based kind of mechanics yeah. for them. Yeah. Okay. So they roll a D twenty and they add their base save to it, and they have to beat. Um, I think my to beat my score they had to get like a nineteen, and so this <laughs> sorry uh, two weeks ago. Uh, two sessions ago, at least, um, we're we're on a ship. We're our whole campaign. We're going to this ship, going to this other continent, right? And sea is not a great place to be in this world, in this world that our our DM had created. And so my one of my best friends, his character is underneath the sh- underneath the ship fighting a water dragon, and I'm like, well, he's gonna die. So I I get to the point where I dive off the side of the boat and I make it ten feet down by my acrobatics roll. And so I'm 10 feet down, I have a 5 foot reach, and I can hit the dragon. I use knockout punch on the dragon, and it rolls a 2, and it fails. So I knockout punch a dragon. <laughs> it was just it was just such a ridiculous moment. And so, I don't... No, yeah, so I got onto Pathfinder because of the Maker Studio. Um, I wanted to be able to make this tiefling brawler, so... Mm-hmm. It would be with horns and big gauntlets and uh, tail, actually. Big red scaly tail. <laughs> he's not, if you he's, want some help with sculptures, I'm happy to, okay. happy to do that. Yeah, I would, I would love to. I, it was a lot of fun to do when I, had, when I had more time to do it over the Christmas break. It was a lot of fun to do. It's just very time-consuming. I did, like, the on lynda.com, I think I did, like, the first uh, sculptress tutorial thing, and I made a seal. It looked really crappy in comparison to the to the one that's that was, that was part of the tutorial, but I did most of the things right. Your initial question was about um, equipment, right? I just am, preparation. Like I was just, I'm always just curious about what somebody's like creative process is like, and it doesn't necessarily have to be about like how you go in and start that. But a, a lot of my process is uh, overcoming a little bit of anxiety, and the fact that like. I have to go in and talk to somebody and be like, "Hi, I'm this person. This is what I this is what I want from you. Can I help you? Can I talk to you?" And it's I haven't really gotten to the I haven't gotten a lot of people that have said no. There's been a, there's been a couple because of bad bad interviews before or or things like that. But for the most part, people are encouraging in a sense. They they want to talk to you because everybody wants to tell their own stories. Yeah. Plus you're Not there to help them and that's yeah. again one thing that is just very common in the maker culture is that we love to talk about the things that we make, mm-hmm. you know. So I just I love being able to have this opportunity to hear about what it is that you're making and how you've made it. So is there anything um coming up for Indie Comic Blog that we should be keeping an eye out for? Or? So um I am Currently working on, so uh, my program is almost done. I'm in the 11th month of 12. My 12th month is uh, my thesis paper, which there won't really be, uh, that won't go anywhere for the block. But um, right now I'm working on a big capstone project for the 11th month. And so it's a big story about, um, it's about Captain America Sam Wilson. And I recently found out that he is probably going to be going back to being Falcon. Mm-hmm. 
um, when Marvel Legacy rolls around. And so, personally, I enjoy Sam Wilson as Captain America a lot more than I liked Steve Rogers. And so, at least I like this comic book run because I feel like it, it fits the modern day a lot better. And so I feel like Sam Wilson should either continue to be Captain America and in that comic, that should be Captain America, Sam Wilson continuing, or they should both be in it. Because I feel like Sam Wilson, more than anything, and this run by Nick Spencer that's been coming out, captures not only a lot of what's happening today, but it also the American, the current American identity. So we are the reason why I watched that documentary, The Divided States of America, is because we've come to a point where there's a lot of anger and we're very polarized in the right and left camps. And there's not a whole lot of middle ground because of a couple different things. Like a quick example is, uh, I talk about this in, in the article that's going to come out in probably two weeks. It's uh, the idea of ideological purity and the fact that on both the right and the left, the base supporters of those parties want to see their politicians as ideologically pure to their beliefs. A good example of this is uh, Tommy Lauren. She was an anchor for the Bla- uh, her own show on the Blaze Network. I think it's Glenn Beck's network. She was on The View. This, this happened a couple months ago, but she was on The View and said she was pro-choice. She's a conservative anchor who came out as pro-choice, coming up uh, using the logic that she's sort of libertarian in the fact that she doesn't want government in her guns, why should she want government in her body, you know? Then it's a very logical argument, and it makes, it makes a whole lot of common sense. But for the, people that, for the people that are pro-life and conservative, and they no longer see her as ideologically pure, so they don't, she gets a lot of backlash for that. So politicians don't come to the middle anymore because they get punished for doing it. They can lose their jobs. And so it's in a, in a world, in, a, in America, that is so divided at the moment for a multitude of reasons. I think Sam Wilson, who plays a slightly partisan uh, Captain America, well, I'm saying slightly, but it, he's, it's pretty quick that he, uh, he jumps on an issue. But I think he is the correct Captain America for the current American identity. That's sort of the, that's the entirety of that. It's uh, a much more conflicted universe than just the, the Steve Rogers, like, go America, mm-hmm. Nazis are bad. Like, that's what, mm-hmm. I, you know, I remember from a lot of Captain America stuff yeah. growing up. was like, and, and the, the, the newer ones with, with Falcon as Captain America is, you know, grittier. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it, it's, it makes you a little more uncomfortable kind of coming to head with some of these issues, mm-hmm. like no matter what side of the the aisle you may find yourself on, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's honestly one of the best comic books I've been reading. It's it's very it's well written. It's it's funny. It's comic booky. It's it's silly, but it's also it's also very very smart in the way that it does a lot of uh, a lot of storylines that parallel the real world a lot. Like I wrote a story couple months ago about how in the first volume of Captain America Sam Wilson the 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 main villain of of that whole six issues is the Serpent Society and like verb almost 
almost verbatim, the things that they say reflect some tweets that came from the current president. And this was in your um, uh, Captain America, Sam Wilson's villains are a little Trumpish. Yes. Which I was happy about that one. I like that. I like that story a lot because it, because when I first saw it, when I first started seeing it, it it made me laugh a little bit because it was just like, that's a snake saying something that that guy is saying. Uh, And it was, and actually there's, uh, if you, if you want to look up anything that Trump has ever tweeted, if you, you can search for a uh, Trump Twitter archive, every, every tweet that he's ever tweeted is archived and you can search through it to find like the timestamp and everything. And it'll give you like a hyperlink to it. It was actually, that's, that one, whoever did that is amazing because it, it is the best, the best source of trying to find anything that he said. Because trying to search through Twitter is impossible. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was, it made me so happy because you could just search any, any word and like, I guess I did another story on Trump about uh, the liable laws that he wanted to try and change those, which is important for any journalist. And all I had to do was search liable or anything like having to do with the media. And it was, it was very easy to find it. Yeah. Great. Uh, so, so thank you very much, Evan. I really appreciate thank, you coming out and talking with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that you had mentioned just in the beginning that I, when I, when I had asked you, said like, yes, absolutely. That you would, that you'd like to come on and, oh, and yeah. that you were, um, like anxious to, to do it because you're normally used to being on the, the other side of yeah. the microphone. So I was just wondering like, what about that were you excited about? And is there anything that you wanted to talk about that we haven't? Uh, I don't think there's, uh, I've never been interviewed before. So it's, it's interesting to be on the other side of it, to being asked about something about yourself. It's very easy to be like, Oh, well, what do you think about that? What do you think about that? And keep probing somebody else further than it is to explain yourself and also try and stay on topic. Um, I was I was interested to do it because I, I wanted to see what it was like being on the other side. Because I've been for almost a year now. I've been doing I've been doing the interviewer part, and so it's it's interesting to see it as the interviewee. And also, I've never I've never been interviewed before, and so it's what's the word I'm looking for. It's just nice being asked about it. Like I've I've never been asked about the blog. I've never talked about it with with anybody. So it's it, it feels good to be. It's it's humbling for somebody to somebody care. Kind of recognize the, yeah. the work that you're you're doing and it's putting in. Everything you said right in the beginning is just like oh that's so nice. <laughs> like that's like the nicest thing anybody said about it. <laughs> well, it's absolutely true. And uh, where can we find you and your work again? Um, so on Twitter, it's at uh, Indie Comic Blog. It was it was Indie Comics blog, which was wrong, which it got pointed out to me, and I, I fixed that. But um, so to be clear, there's no S. There's no now, S. Right. No it's Indie S. Comic blog. Um, on, WordPress.com. Yeah, that's that would be that's where you can find it on WordPress. I don't think I have any other uh, social media specific for it. I'm, I'm I need to make a Facebook like fan page. I just haven't done it. <laughs> have you considered, um, this is one question I definitely wanted to ask before mm-hmm. we get, have you considered any methods of monetizing your craft, such as like a Patreon or even like a tip jar on your WordPress site and, and what are your feelings are on that? Uh, I don't, like, like when you, we talked about before, like talking about like teaching a class, kind of like a thing on blogging before. And it's, I'm not at a point yet that I think 
I'm really worth anybody giving me money about it. It it may just be me being hard on myself or being, I guess, humble in a sense, but I don't feel like I'm at that place where I would feel comfortable charging people. Like, I talk to... I've been trying to talk to these people and actually write a story about them for a while. But there's a group called uh, these, this uh, couple that... So they have a YouTube channel called uh, Comic Trips. And they go around... They went on, like, this whole RV season. They went around the, around the country. I mean, they go to all these comic book shops and, like, action figure stores. And they just get all these hauls and show people, like, this is what you could find here. And these are the people. And they're really nice. And, like, the other, other stories are... Other episodes are very fun. And I talked to them a while ago. And, and they were... They started their seventh season. They recorded in uh, Cheeky Tiki down in Woodbury. <laughs> Tiki gets good to plug on basically every episode. Yeah. So uh, we're, we're great. two so far. Uh, I love that place. <laughs> I love it. And so I, I recorded, I recorded an interview with them, and they were talking about how they just started a Patreon, and it, they had the same sort of, they had the same sort of feeling as me, and how they didn't, they didn't really feel comfortable asking people for money because they didn't, they didn't feel like it was, maybe they didn't. They didn't want people to feel bad if they couldn't continue to support the Patreon. Like, like. Could you just define what Patreon? I know we, we just didn't do that, so so oh, not so, everybody may be uh, uh, aware of that, and that's my, my bad. I <laughs> so uh, Patreon is a uh, is a website you can set up your own. I could set up one for an indie comic blog where people would uh, subscribe and send in a certain amount of money per month, and they would get exclusive benefits and things like that. But. It's sort of a way for independent creators to raise money and keep themselves up and continue to do what they want to do, continue to create things while not, you know, going broke. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of YouTubers have them. Um, and it's an artist made. It's it's art made by artists for artists, okay. which I which I love. It was mm-hmm. uh, Jack Conti was the was the founder. Oh oh yeah yeah yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I have I actually got to see them. I got to see them live in uh, at the World Cafe live. Uh, I have I have the one of the shirts from that from that and it's uh, Jack Conti punching a moose. It was I saw that shirt and I was like I need to have it. They they put on an amazing show when they were when they were live. It was so it was so so cool. Like there was one part where they started doing this eight bar like dubstep drop kind of thing, and so Jack has he's had knee pads on the entire night, and he jumps down on off the stage down to the whole standing area with everybody else. And he says, make a circle, and then everybody backs up, and we make a circle. And he says, so, so we're going to, I'm going to dance like crazy for this whole eight-bar drop. And then, oh, no, I'm going to, I'm going to dance around, and then when the drop hits, I'm going to dance like crazy. And I'm going to touch, I'm going to touch a couple of you, and you have to come in and join me and dance like crazy. And we're going to keep going like that. And I was literally this, I was literally, like, a foot away from being touched by him. And I was like... One, I was like, please don't touch me because I don't want to go in there and dance. But I was also like, please, please, please touch me because <laughs> you're amazing. Yeah, um, so I thought about, I've thought about a Patreon, and, but I don't, I don't feel like I'm at the point yet where I could, I could really ask people for money because I'm not really, I'm not entirely creating anything that's so incredibly unique. I don't have a like, I feel like P- Patreon works best for unique, like, brands. Like, like unique, like, you need to have a face, like, a, a people to attach it to. Like, Comic Tricks, there's there's the two people that are in it. And you can see their faces, and they, they have their own brand. 
Um, I mean, I have I have my own brand, and I have, I, but I try to keep it more professional in a sense, so that you don't really see me come through it all that often. It's a limitation that I have from the program that I'm in that I'm writing it for, because we're supposed to keep it more professional. And they could see that. it'd be more yeah. marketable, more relatable with that human element yeah. sort of front and center. But yeah. uh, what what I really think that you're creating as your product is goodwill. And I love that. And, and it's, it's goodwill to New Jersey and, it, <laughs> and it's, it's, uh, you know, falling right in line with the same, uh, same values that I'm holding myself for mm-hmm. this podcast. So if you do start a Patreon, please let me know because I will be your first patron, uh, supporter. It'll be, it'll be <laughs> small. I promise you. I'm not, I'm not rich, but, uh, but absolutely. I think you'd love to support that's, another local creator. That's actually one thing I really want to say to anybody listening that, that you, Jim, are really, really supportive in the fact that you literally knew me for a total of maybe a half an hour. And then you asked me, what are you doing? Like, what what are you trying to do? And I I mentioned the blog, and literally 10 minutes after I mentioned it, you were my seventh follower on Twitter. And it's just like, it's... You had it's more than hard. seven. Oh, no, it was six. It, no, at, ah. that, at that point, I had I had seven followers. You were my seventh follower, and it's like you're such a supportive person, which is why I think you you flourish in the maker studio because you help push people to do more and find the best way of doing things. That's why I think this this podcast. One of the reasons I really really want to be on it is because I find it to be such a very cool idea. And I think that's, I think what you're doing is cool. Oh, well, thanks. Thanks, now, now my Now my cheeks are red. So thank you again for joining us for the NJ Makers podcast. You can find us. We're now on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. You can find us at NJ Makers Podcast on Twitter and Facebook. And thank you again. And remember, the best thing we can make is a difference. For the like the at least the three seconds of silence yeah. for me to just, yeah. I need it just a little just to fade out. Thanks, yeah. thanks, Adam. I really, really no. appreciate you. I'm I was happy. I was really happy to come in because as soon as, as soon as I saw that you were like, oh, I'm really doing this. I was like, oh, I have to be there because I find I this this goes along the same way that the same thing that that I'm doing. I try, I try to promote people and try and push what they're doing out. And try and push it towards as many people as as I can. So you were honestly like a kick in the ass to get this started. I yeah. want, want you to know that. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, totally. I was like, man, I'm like that kid's like 24. He's doing, <laughs> he's doing it. I'm like, I want to do that. Hmm. Like, that's what I want to do. Yeah. And, you know, different different take on it. Yeah. Of, you know, um, but like basically the same same goal and same type of of. You know, good goodwill. I don't, think, I don't think I've ever inspired somebody before. <laughs> I'm sure that you have. I'm Maybe. sure that you have.